0: Right, everybody welcome to episode 53 of tunes mate i'm mark and i'm ray and ray this week we are talking about bon jovi specifically john bon
1: jovi why is it so significant so on on march 2nd john turns 60 amazing to think that you know on the one hand it's, it's amazing to think that he's 60 already on the other hand you see a lot of these other, you know, stars from his time period that are older and you think, Oh, he's only 60. So I'm kind (laughs) of, I have like these mixed bag of, of sense, but still it's, you know, he's, he turned 60.
0: Well, I mean, the good news is Bon Jovi, the band, of course, John is already in the rock and roll hall of fame. So at least he doesn't have to wait around until he's, (laughs) you know, that always happens with all the bands. They always, it's like, let's bring the zombies in. They're all, they actually look like zombies. Let's have them play. (laughs) And they're barely making it through. At least they were able to, you know, get in there and they, they got their due. I did see something weird, though. I know this is a tangent, but recently I saw in the news, there were, somebody went through and said, let's take out the bands that actually don't deserve to be in there now. Hmm. And they started saying, like, let's take out Kiss. And they started going down the list. And Dude. I'm like, I never had thought about that before. Like, let's go back and take bands out that you don't think deserve to be in there. And I'm like, wait a minute! <laughs> so it just kind of blew my mind.
1: Yeah, that always happens with Hall of Fames. Like I know in the baseball Hall of Fame, there's a there's whole people that are like, you know, there's all these people don't belong. And you know, you know, I I tend to be pretty inclusive. So in, in my mm-hmm. book, I don't I'm not interested in pulling people out. I'd I'd rather have more in. I mean, there's lots of acts that you know haven't gotten in. Um, you know, we'll probably do a a podcast here at some point on this year's class but i remember that uh just a few weeks ago there was stuff going around that there was a campaign to get Cindy Lopper nominated and i don't think she did and you know and you know my book she belongs in and you know a couple she years ago she's not good
0: enough ray she,
1: oh, she, she's not unusual enough right so <laughs> uh or you know your rhythmics was another one a couple years ago you know every every now and then they get talked i mean there's there's tons of them and in my book i tend to be more like let them in you know so right well you know. Bon Jovi is in and we have prepared
0: our top five list for in honor of John Bon Jovi today. And I'm curious, Ray, before we jump into the top five, is there one song that you're thinking, man, I'm surprised that didn't make my top five.
1: I wouldn't say I'm surprised it didn't make my top five. I Mm -hmm. would say there's a few that, I'm a little like bummed that they didn't because there just wasn't enough room. So mm-hmm. I've got like a, a top five and then a real quick four that were close. Okay. Uh, really two, really two of them that really could have been in there. I mean the other two, not so close, but the, like my number six and seven, I'm like, you know, these really belong there, but I got, I got nothing to kick out. So, um, yeah. so, you I'm know, the same way. Uh, yeah. Well, let's get to it then. Okay. What do you have at number five? So we did this, right? It's, it's John Bon Jovi. So we're including both uh, things by the band, Bon Jovi, and, but you can also include things from his solo career. Mm-hmm. And my number five is the only one on my list that's from his solo career, and that is Blaze of Glory. Uh, when that came out, now I'll tell you, if we had done this list about 31, 32 years ago, that might have been number one or two probably number two at the time i really loved this song back then it's kind of faded a touch for me over the years but the the feel of this and that that really sort of powerful part about two-thirds three-fourths of the way through and then there's the pause and the drums come back in and the you know i i really love the feel of this thing and and the the sort of way it captures that sort of cowboy ethic that you know of course young guns was what it was for and that that Bon Jovi had been playing around with anyway.
0: I have the same exact one. <laughs> really? <laughs> the same exact reasons. I am not kidding. I'm sitting here staring at it. And I had the same feeling. I remember when that came out. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. I heard it on the radio. I go, what is happening? Like the guitar work. And and then I realized, wait a minute, he's solo? Like that was the one that just kind of hurt my mind. and And then I just... It still stands up. I mean, it's still a strong song. Same thing though. It slipped. It slipped down. And I'm going to tell you what's at my number six, which is is an yeah. odd one. Miracle. Yeah. Which was the follow up <laughs> after yep. Blazing Glory, if I'm not mistaken. It was. I think it only yep. went to the twenties. But for some number reason, 12. I, twelve. Okay. See, I was off once again by ten. But that song also was pretty strong too and I just it was totally different offbeat kind of a thing but mm-hmm. I couldn't believe that it actually was ranked pretty high and there's a lot of, I have actually 10 songs that didn't make my top five that I I just I don't know what to do with them
1: yeah Miracle's another one that you know it didn't quite make my almost list but it, it really kind of almost could have I guess if I was going with my like number 10 it probably would be right there I really mm-hmm. like Miracle back in the day you know it gets forgotten about a bit you know because exactly. You know, "Blaze of Glory" was the one that you know hit number one. I remember when uh, the video for "Blaze of Glory" debuted in the summer of 1990. I remember just like that was a an MTV oh, okay. event, and you know, and of course, it, it got a lot of its success was due to I mean, Bon Jovi was at it, their his height and their height at that time, mm-hmm. but but also it's it's tie in with Young Guns, and and it was just this phenomenon, and and then Miracle was a strong. A second song from that soundtrack and you know it's going to take a miracle to save us this time it has a great feel to it so i can totally get having a miracle yeah,
0: yeah. and there's some other ones on
1: there that you're like i can't believe that's higher than we'll talk about that so yeah what do you have four so four is my one that if there's something on my list that folks haven't heard of this is it it wasn't actually a single it was not it never charted on anything. Folks may not even know it. But uh, when, when the New Jersey came, album came out in late 88, uh, I got it. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, good songs on there. Born to be my baby. Mm-hmm. I liked Living in Sin back in the day. I don't, it hasn't aged as well. Um, but lay your hands on me and I'll be there for you. You know, there's all these, you know, the hits that were And of course, Bad Medicine was the first one off mm-hmm. of that album. But but there's a song on, uh, on there called blood on blood. And I used to crank that song. I mean, I would play that album and I love that album. And, but I would get to blood on blood and I would just crank it in my car at home. And, and it's about these like brothers or something, you know, and we're blood and, you know, like blood on blood and it, I, I still to this day, I, I quote it at times, I sing it at times, and it sticks with me.
0: Wow. All I can say on that one is I love the New Jersey album, front to back. Mm-hmm. I think I listened to it nonstop when that came out. And for some reason, none of those songs are my top five. <laughs> Even though I love the album. Like, mm-hmm. if you would ask me best Bon Jovi album, I would say New Jersey Number
1: one, mhm, which is odd, you know, I think that that's a great point, and I think it it speaks to because i I don't know if I'd make New Jersey number one. I might still go with slippery when wet, but but, but I think you, your point is is right on the that New Jersey as an album is really good, and yeah, like you, I used to listen to it like I mean, it was on cassette tape, so it was you know one side yeah, and then slippery. complete to the other side and but you're right, it's more of a of an album it's a it's more of a success as an album. And while it's got a lot of great songs, none of them are, again, for me, the one that's, that sticks out is the one that, you know, one that didn't get on get released. But the, you know, the hits off of that are all like solid songs that you like, but you but aren't like the quintessential yes. ones that you, you gotta have, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I think your point's like right on the mark. No, No pun intended there.
0: I appreciate that.
1: So what's your number four? My number four, now,
0: once again, you have to remember that, now we're moving into what could possibly be played if as a DJ, if I'm out there and I'm playing songs. So you give love a bad name. You put that song on somebody somewhere is putting their drink down and running out to the dance floor. Cause they want to <laughs> sing along to it. There's just something with that song and it just gets people going. And it's, it has everything that a Bon Jovi song You think Bon Jovi, that's going to probably be one of them.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it was the first number one hit, you know, fall of uh, 86. And it really has that strong, I mean, you know, energetic feel to it. And I remember back in the day, just, you know, cranking that thing. For me, that one hasn't held up as much. So it's not, it's not on my top five list. I just kind of, you know, kind of faded over time for me, but, but you're right that in terms of that, like, you know, dance ability, that, that, that ability to, to sort of get people up and going. I mean, I, again, you're, you're on the money with that because it's, it, it's got that feel to it. And in some ways it's sort of like, it's quintessential Bon Jovi, as you said, and it's quintessential eighties in a way too. Right.
0: It has that feel.
1: would you have a three? So number three, uh, number number three and two were real close for me, and they're, they're from similar time periods. So by mentioning three, I'm probably giving two somewhat away. But three was actually uh, Bon Jovi's last top ten hit, Always. Mm-hmm. I uh, I used to, this is another one, I mean, I remember when this was out back in 1994, I I mean, I would just sing this. This is one that's, you know, so sing, yeah. and I like a lot of their songs, actually, when I think about, a number of things on this list There's so uh, every single thing in my top five is something that i used to just sing along to and i think that's part of the appeal of bon mm-hmm. jovi is that they're they're sing-along songs they're songs that you can you know even like you said you give love a bad name it's when you you give love a bad name you're right you just gotta and always was one i would just uh that that drum beat at the very beginning and then that, i was about to say that that drum beat to me is so unique, right, right, that yeah, exact, and then and then everything would hit in, and I mean I just I just remember like making a fist in the, waving, you know smacking my fist in the air and then and then getting into singing it, and it just had such power, and so i still it still resonates with me,
0: yeah, and what's interesting about that is I believe that was just the song that was on their greatest hits,
1: yeah, they put out that greatest hits album, and this was the uh, I think it was. I remember, I was one of maybe I think two new ones, but it was the it was the big hit that that was generated off of their greatest hits album. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I remember when that came out. I was like,
1: oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah. I, I well, I used to listen to Greatest Hits like over and over again. Oh like, yeah,
0: yeah. It's the yeah, picture of I think John on a bus like writing yeah. out his thoughts or lyrics or something.
1: Yeah. Well, the back of it, yeah, the back of it, it had that kind of the songs written in handwriting style. Mm-hmm. Right. So that, you know, it seemed like they were all kind of just like lyrics. And yeah, that was just it was such an album. It was such a good collection of their hits. And and I, you know, I still have it to this day. I haven't broken it out in a while. But back in the mid 90s, I mean, oh, yeah. that was a st- solid rotation and always was. <laughs> yeah. As you said, the new one, the new hit that, you know, they put on there. that Yep. So what do you have at number three? At three? Now, this one you really can't dance to but it is a
0: good warm-up song. It's Runaway, one of their original songs. That keyboard riff, once again, I have a weakness for keyboard riffs. And when you hear that, (laughs) you you instantly know what it is. And I always like this fact that this song was something that John kind of created on a demo tape and then had to hire in the rest of the band to, to put it together. So it's such a fascinating story that whenever I listen to it, I go, wow, he really put everything on the line for this album. And if it weren't for that song, he probably
1: wouldn't be where he is. I think you're right there. It, you know, yeah, that story of, you know, putting this together, really sort of putting it all. I mean, it became the band's first first entry on the Hot 100 and, and squeaked into the top 40. So it was the first top 40 hit. And he was he was kind of on his lifeline there where he had been trying and they hadn't been successful. And, you know, the record company was, he was in danger of like, you know, losing you know, losing out not getting a contract to do anymore. And, and as you said, and it, it worked. And that then led to future, you know, their future songwriting and, and producing. And so I think you're right that if that song hadn't hit, We probably not talk. We're not doing this podcast right now. Bon Jovi maybe never, never puts "Slippery When Wet" out and never, you know, uh, never moves on from there and becomes the the mega act that they became.
0: And and I posted this as a you know guess what, but I still find it fascinating. I think still to this day, and I, I have to check the credits on the last album they just released. But I still believe that there's a song on this first album. It's called "She Don't Know Me." And it's the only yeah. song that was not written by Bon Jovi. It's by Mark Avsec yeah. from the for Donny Iris and the Cruisers' fame, and then also he was in you know Wild Cherry. But that still blows my mind. And I believe that song. I don't. I know you've got the Bible today, but I believe it did not hit top forty. She don't know me. I think it just maybe forty two or something like that.
1: You are right in the bright ballpark. Yes. So, yeah, I remember that, you know, when you talked to to Mark that, you know, that was, you know, we, we talked about that, right? That that was the only one they didn't write. And it was, it it uh, went up, it ended up at 48. So you were right there in the right, oh, okay. you know, you, you had it pretty much right, right? That, you know, the number doesn't matter when you're in the 40s. It's basically you kind of, you, know, you just missed, right? And, and of those early songs, um, you know, they, they hit, they hit with Runaway, and then they had three in a row that didn't hit the top forty. And it was, you know, again, it was sort of this, you know, going into Slippery When Wet, you know, uh, well, you've had some middling success because even their one top 40 hit, Runaway, only hit 39. And going into Slippery When Wet, it was, you know, well, you know, still make or break. And I mean, I had In and Out
0: of Love down with the Fahrenheit album.
1: 7,800 Fahrenheit, yeah.
0: 7,800 Fahrenheit, they had In and Out of Love. And I don't believe that hit top 40. I recall.
1: No, that's, that's, that's one of those three I'm talking about. Runaway hit, yeah. barely hits up okay. 43. And um, she don't, she don't know me hit 48, uh, only lonely hit 54 and then in and out of love only hit 69. Um, it really was not, I mean, yeah, we know that song. Yeah. And that was one of my favorites. So you're right. Yeah. I mean, so Runaway is, it's got a little interesting significance. Um, what's at your number two? So I, I kind of, again, telegraphed this a bit by saying this one was close in time with always uh, my number 2 song is uh their their second to last top 10 hit from back in 93 Better Roses. It's it, you know in some ways the, their lyrics are a little corny that whole line about you know wake up and french kiss the morning and you know it, you know but at the same time it I love this song when it came out I still love this song today. It it actually you know it kind of could have been one and I I like the feel of it. You know it's obviously down tempo one um you know the sort of the quint- quintessential of a, a bon jovi ballad and um and i still love it yeah i mean definitely when that came out i remember keep the
0: faith was the first mm-hmm. really big song that released off that and i remember working at wfal radio when that that album came in and putting on keep the faith and i was like oh my gosh i can't believe
1: bon is back
0: <laughs> and keep the faith it was okay but when Better Roses hit, I mean that that was like okay, Bon Jovi is back.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Keep the Faith. My um, recollection and my experience with them was was really similar. That yeah, Keep the Faith was good and I liked it. But then Better Roses was really good, and it was the one that then I mean they both hit the top forty, but then that Better Roses hit the top ten, and and then of course you know a year later they put they put out that Greatest Hits album, and I remember now that 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 Greatest Hits album was called Crossroads. Right. And it was um, right. and the other the other one I, I was trying to I thought that I was right about this, but I couldn't remember. But the other new song on that on Crossroad was Someday I'll Be Saturday Night. And uh, which, you know, That's still right. resonates with folks, too. But but Better Roses had just, you know, hit the top 10 and um, before this album. And this was, um, yeah, off that, that Keep the Faith album. And, and I mean, they had they had one more off of that, too. I mean, they had three top uh-huh. 40 hits because in these arms uh, then hit the the top 40 and really in these arms is one of those songs that almost hit my top five it'd be really kind of at number mm-hmm. seven for me i i really like that song back in the day i like the feel of that one too and it, you know it's funny because uh you know bon jovi's kind of thought of as his 80s group but here uh, well if you count blaze of glory in 1993, of my top five are from the 90s and you know mm-hmm. uh A a number of my Almost Made It's are from the 90s. And so they're really, it it plays out differently, probably because the chart was different then and the ability for a rock band like that to hit number one in the 90s was diminished. It wasn't as easy to do as it was in the late 80s. So really their number one Mm -hmm. hits come between 86 and 90, but they were still solidly putting out hit songs in the 90s. And yeah, Better Roses is right there. Mm -hmm. I agree. So what's your number two? My number
0: two is It's My Life. Hmm. So it's one of those songs. Same thing. You sit there, you put that song on. I don't know what it is, is because they went back and they decided to, you know, bring the framp tone back out, you know, in their song or whatever it was. But it just gets people up. I know it didn't chart that high. This is one of those songs we were talking about that you would be surprised. It didn't, you know, chart high. But it is a song that just gets you going. It kind of, you know, reminds you of you know that eighties, nineties. But if I recall, this was a song that charted in two thousand.
1: Yeah, it was in two thousand. You remember and right? I agree with you. It's my life would be kind of around number eight on my list. It's one of the again one of those ones that was close and didn't make it. And you kind of think, how did it not? It wasn't their last top forty hit. It did squeak in the top forty, number thirty three. I think the chart performance is, again, a a reflection of how uh, the Hot 100 chart had changed by the mid to late 90s, -hmm. so that, again, by the time you get to 2000, it's really difficult for a rock band like this, a sort of standard rock band, now becoming classic rock band, to even, a lot of times it was, they, they might hit the top 40, but 33 was right on par with how Folks like, I mean, even you think U2 was really big then with all you, you can't leave behind, but actually a lot of the songs off of there mm-hmm. weren't like top 10 hits. They were like, you know, barely top 40 or, you know, not quite there mm-hmm. um, because of the way, and it's just because of the way pop radio worked and the way that the the Hot 100 was configured. I mean, the Hot 100 has gone through all these different configurations and today it's even different than it was 20 years ago. So, you know, you can't really go off of, like, oh, it went to number three, 33. Well, yeah, well, that's okay. Like, that's not necessarily indicative of how good of a song or how impactful it was. Anymore.
0: It was just at the time. It's that, once again, the Billboard chart is giving you a slice of that time period.
1: Yeah, it's a, I think, like you said, it's a, it's a slice of that time period. And that's how I tend to think of the chart anymore. It's just, it kind of gives you a sense mm-hmm. of what was popular then. And it's my life. It went to 33. But I mean, it st- still spent twenty weeks on the chart. I mean, it still, you know, did quite well and uh, hit like double platinum. So, you know, it it was a st- a solid hit in that regard, and it was a great song. All right. So, what would you have a number one? So, if anybody's watched, been following along on on Tunes Mate, and I hope you all have, you already know what my number one hit is because I, you know, I I, I wrote it up there when I did the the birthday of the week. For for John Bon Jovi. Mm -hmm. And um, it's Wanted Dead or Alive. So it's kind of funny because my top five list starts with the cowboy theme and then ends up back here. I think that I I remember in the late 80s and, you know, I mean, it's literal in the song, I'm a cowboy, Wanted Dead or Alive. But this was talking about Bon Jovi in the late 80s. And it culminates with John doing the Young Gun soundtrack with Miracle and Blaze of Glory. That's really the culmination Mm -hmm. of this. Before then, they they kind of went in a different direction after that when they got to the Keep the Faith album and stuff. They went in a different direction with uh, the type of imagery in their music at that point. In the late 80s, into, into John's work with uh, Young Guns, Bon Jovi was playing with this cowboy image. And a lot of times that cowboy image is associated with country music. And they were doing it with this semi-hard rock, right? But this this metal Uh pop, this hairband pop style. And so um, they were using the soft metal slash hairband pop image and trajectory and, and musical style as a contemporary version of the cowboy. And right, this song embodied that, not only the explicitly, you know, I'm a cowboy on a steel horse I ride, right? But his guitar, right, is part of the, the image. And what does this cowboy do? This cowboy travels all around, you know, right? Just like cowboys in the West, cowboy travels all around, you know, plays all these stadiums, rocks them all, you know? So, and the power of that line at the end, you know, I, I've seen a million faces and I rocked them all. I mean, I just, I dug that from the probably the moment I heard it. And so to this day, the the sort of, mythology that they're playing around with there but just the feel that they're playing around with there i i it it's still my favorite
0: yeah and I, one thing about the song that you picked i always was amazed when i first heard it that richie sambora can really sing because yeah. it was it was it was kind of a duet in a way yeah you know john would sing richie would sing and i was like where is that coming from is is john changing his voice <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i i didn't but Richie really could sing and I think that really added to that whole vibe, you know, he had the cowboy hat and yep. you know, they're singing back and forth and I think he had the six uh was it uh, the twin guitar, right? Yes. on that one. So I mean, it was really a big show to it, you know, to that that particular song itself.
1: Yep. If you watch the video, you'll see it or if you you know, you're lucky enough to see him back in concert back in the day, they he would do the yeah, the, the twin neck guitar and the um not the cheap trick five neck guitar, but you know the the twin neck right. guitar that they did, and he did, yeah, the cowboy hat and everything, and then as you said, the sort of joining in, which is sort of part of that that ethos mm-hmm. there too. And so it does it's it, in that part, those parts where he's in, it does it becomes mm-hmm. like a duet. I think you're right. The only thing that made me sad about the song
0: was David Bryan, and you know, where is he? Can't really hear his keyboards. Oh <laughs> Just
1: yeah, yeah. You know you're right. Um, you know, because part of, and that's a good point because part of Bon Jovi sound is that it's not just guitar rock, but it's got that keyboard part. Runaway has it, you know, so many Mm -hmm. of their songs, that keyboard is part of what they're doing. And in one of Dead or Alive, you're right. It's kind of not there because it plays with the guitar as the, you know, the steel horse, right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's really guitar laden and built off of the imagery.
0: I shed a a tear for, for Mr. (laughs) Brian.
1: That's all right. He still did okay. Exactly. So, what's your number one?
0: Well, my number one has David Bryan all over it. It's uh, probably a song you would think it's Living on a Prayer.
1: Mm, yep.
0: And it's to me that opening bass riff.
1: Yep.
0: You just hear that. And whenever I play that, generally, you know, it's right after a slow dance and, you know, the lights are dim and you just kind of hear that that thundering bass riff. And I start flashing some of the strobes and yep. everybody just comes running out. And then instantly you sing along to it. So I just, there's no way I, I couldn't put it at top yep. and it's off the same album as wanted better alive. Yep. So definitely, uh, one of my favorites.
1: Yeah. Uh, Living on a Prayer was my, my just missed. It was number six on my list. And and one of those ones we referred to at the beginning that you're like, how did this not make my top five? And it only did because I had stuff that I liked better. But, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of built my top five just on my personal sort of connections to songs. But if you're talking about the significance, and I know, you know, when we tend to do these, you know, this is how we tend to do it. I tend to, well, what are my, my five favorite? You come in. You, you tend to be what are the most significant. And so it's kind of cool because we get this sort of interplay, right, of the the different reasons we choose. And I gotta tell you, if you're if you're gonna make a list of what are the most important or significant Bon Jovi songs, you know, like you said, Runaway has certain importance to it. But I don't know how you don't put number one on put Living on a Prayer at number one. It is I mean it, it was their biggest hit. It spent the most weeks at number one, four weeks at number one. Back in '87, and it is the one that people know to this day. As you said, they sing along to to this day. I mean, it is. It, I think if you did a survey of you know what is the one Bon Jovi song that you think is most you know important, I I think your overwhelming answer would be "Living on a Prayer." And as you mm-hmm. said, that that sort of you know that that bass at the beginning and um, the whole. I mean because it's it's a pop culture reference too, right? People make reference to Tommy and Gina. And exactly. you know, and you know, if you don't know the lyrics, you're like you would be like what the heck is Tommy and Gina? But it, it, all you need to know is a little bit about that song and you know who Tommy and Gina are. And so pop culture references to Tommy and Gina are directly tied to that song and it means it shows you just how significant that you don't even need to name the song. And people know what you're talking about.
0: Yeah. It's just one of those songs where I just always enjoy listening to it. And it's whenever it's there, I I tend to listen. to. But I did want to tell you one that it just kept popping in and out. Mm -hmm. Like it went above Miracle, then it went below, you know, as my number six. And it's a really odd one, but it was off a soundtrack called Mm Disorderly, And it's called Edge of a Broken Heart. Oh, yeah. And there's something with the guitar that opens up on that song. And then, of course, Mr. David Bryan jumps in with some really cool keys. But it's like that song, I don't know what happened with that song. I I remember it all over the radio. I always thought that would be a really huge song. It, it has every element of a Bon Jovi, you know, 80s, I guess, formula. And that's it didn't make it. But I, I just for some reason, I can still listen to it today and go, yep. I like that song.
1: So that's a that's a great song to pick. And I will tell you a little bit that I do know about the song. I love the song Back in the Day, too. It's one that I've kind of forgotten about over time a little bit. And sometimes I have a really hard time because I, I mix it up with Vixen's Edge of a Broken Heart. And so even now in my head, the Vixen one is playing in my head, and I'm trying to get it out so I can put Bon Jovi's Back in my head. I love the song Back in the Day in 87. And yeah, it was off that, you know, that soundtrack, the disorderlies. Now, one of the reasons why it quote unquote didn't do better is because it wasn't released as a single. So back in the day, this isn't the case now, but back then to be, uh, to be eligible to make the hot 100, you had to actually, a song had to actually be released as a single. So, you know, there are some really well-known songs that people might think, Oh, those were big hits, you know, on the Hot 100, but they never ever, ever charted. A good, a great example of this is Madonna's Into the Groove, right? I mean, if you know the 80s music, you know Into the Groove, you know, from Desperately Seeking Susan and Never Charted because okay. it was never released as a single. Edge of Broken Heart is a number, another one like that. It actually did hit the top 40 on the airplay side, on the airplay chart, so it got... It got radio play. So that's how you remember it from getting all this radio play. And it got MTV play. I can still remember the video for it. I mean, I loved it. But yeah, in in, in some ways it, it kind of gets forgotten. It, you know, wasn't it technically a hit because it never got released as a single. Wow. You know, my uh that's a great song. I, I'm glad you brought that up because I think that um Edge of a Broken Heart was a great song. Uh like I said back in the day, you know, I had the sort of my last one of my almost made it. that kind of is interesting is we talked about john's solo work for young guns but then later he put out another solo album and i really like midnight and chelsea yeah and so that was another one that you know came close didn't quite make it uh would have been probably around nine or ten right down there with miracle for me but you know is that you know another instance of john doing some solo work that also was memorable as well
0: well we'll put the full list of our top five, and then I guess our followers on the blog post. And we appreciate everybody, once again, supporting TunesMate, following us, subscribing to our podcast. And we're going to keep giving you some retrospectives on music. And of course, everything that you're doing on the site, Ray, always continually fueling us on a daily basis and keeping our engines revved.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a, a, you know, a daily, a daily thing, a daily 80s flashback. I still got plenty coming. Mm -hmm. Been fun doing some of them lately. It was kind of fun doing the, uh, the police squad theme, you know, recently, and uh, that brought back some memories to Frank Drebin and yeah, yeah, air, you know, started with Airplane, but then, you know, that led to the Naked Gun movies. And, and I like kind of mm-hmm. throwing them in, and the, the Saturday morning cartoons, you know, we've we've had some folks liking that stuff. And so it's it's been, it's a lot of fun to, to put those together.
0: Yeah, it is. And it's, I just constantly look forward to it. It makes my day. So we hope it's making your day. And from all of us here at Toonsmate, I'm Mark. And I'm Ron.